In 2014, Frederick Leloux published a book called Reinventing Organizations. The book walks through the evolution of human organizational paradigms and then discusses the most advanced one to date, dubbed Teal. The book quickly became a phenomenon among geeks interested in organizations. It received its share of criticism for lack of proper scientific research and for selection bias, among other things. But regardless, many consider the book groundbreaking. I found it absolutely fascinating, even though I, like many others, am bothered by the somewhat pseudo-scientific nature of the book. You're listening to the Bossable Podcast, and today, to discuss the Teal paradigm with me, I have Jussi Markula. Jussi is a Teal mentor, a serial entrepreneur, and the co-founder of the Teal Finland community. In his daily work at Prominda, Jussi facilitates the exploration of these new paradigms in organizations. Before we get to the episode, let me give you a brief walkthrough of the evolutionary stages presented in Lalu's book. They'll help you follow the discussion you're about to hear. The first stage is called RED. That's the stage of top-down authority and strict division of labor. Think of a street gang or a wolf pack where fear is the glue of the organization. Then we have Amber. Amber is characterized by hierarchy, formal roles, and stable processes. It's where we use the stick to keep people in control. An example of an Amber organization is the army. Then we get to Orange. Orange is the organization that acts like a machine. Orange organizations value innovation and accountability and are based on a meritocracy. This is probably the most common organizational paradigm currently in use. After Orange comes Green. That's the family-like organization. These green organizations are driven by their values and people are empowered to produce to the stakeholders. Green organizations have a strong focus on culture. The final stage introduced by Lalu is Teal. Teal is an organization that behaves like a living organism. The organization has its own evolutionary purpose. It's self-managed and leadership is distributed. People bring their whole selves to work and don't create a strong distinction between their work and private personas. And that's it. So to summarize, red is wolf pack, amber is army, orange is machine, green is family, and teal is an organism. I hope this short introduction makes it a little easier to follow the conversation. Jussi will first help us delve a little deeper into the breakthroughs that enable teal organizations to come to life. Now let's get to it. Well, there are three breakthroughs which the Teal organizations are built around. And the first one is evolutionary purpose, meaning that the whole organization is is doing something greater than itself. We could think that the organization, which is thought as a living organism, it's an ecosystem that's all the time dynamic and changing. It's finding its way 
and what's the purpose, the calling of the organization as a whole? What can it do? What's the best potential for the organization? And that's like the purpose that we want to give. So how's that different from, let's say, that like some of the terms used for ages in, in companies and, and businesses is like mission or vision or strategy? How, how is the evolutionary purpose different from those terms? The biggest difference is that we cannot control it because it's the purpose of the organization. We can only try to listen and understand what it is. So we cannot state that it's this sentence that we tell that this is why we exist. Or we cannot have a participatory uh, workshops where we try to f- together find it because the organization cannot cannot talk. So we, we can only only try to sense or do the co-sensing, sense-making around why why we do what we do, why, why would we care. And then we align that understand that this is important for us. This is what we want to give to the world. And then then it's more implicit than explicit than the traditional ways of, of for example, the mission statement. Okay, so that was evolutionary purpose. How about wholeness? What does wholeness mean? Wholeness means that we can bring all parts of who we are to to the working life. We are expected to be sort of very aggressive or or performing well. But then in the teal organizations, when when we can sort of tap into the other parts of the humanity, then we can bring our emotions and our intuition and even spiritual sides of ourselves. That means that also we are we are much more creative and engaged when when we are fully ourselves. So that means that you shouldn't try to have like a work role that you just play when you come to work, but you should try to kind of bring your whole self and be yourself at work. Exactly. You're you're not your role. You might have of course roles, but but you are a human yeah. person with a name and a background and history and everything. And and then the uh the final breakthrough is self-organization. What does that mean? Well, the shortest way how I see it is that what if no one could tell anyone else what to do? So that is like the true self-organization that we don't give any sort of metrics or KPIs or results from outside and then you can self-organize inside this box. But instead, all the time, there there is no dominance hierarchy, no power hierarchy at all, but everybody is considered to be powerful. Okay, so the breakthroughs are self-organization, wholeness, and evolutionary purpose. And and if you think about these uh, together, what are kind of the things that you're hoping that organizations or the way that we we run our companies, what are the like ways that we can benefit from these breakthroughs? Well, we can stop wasting a lot of time and energy on things that don't matter. Because when we start really trusting people and looking at people from this worldview that people are responsible they want to do good work they they care about things and they they are responsible then we can remove a lot of structures a lot of bureaucracy a lot of uh, hierarchy and and just let people do the work they are they are much more engaged they they do better work they the well-being increases and also the usually the results increase a lot as well So what do you think, what is the kind of uh, the the most dominant or most common worldview? What are the most organizations like currently? They are something like amber-orange, so that they have the pyramid structure and strong processes, but then uh, very much going into the sort of people are managed with, with KPIs and metrics. They are given the strategy, given their their role in the organization, and then they, they can... 
do it as as they want, but still the box is given. Yeah, yeah. And what's kind of interesting is that even like if if that's the case that we're at orange or amber, then that means that we're not even yet at green, which is kind of the family, and teal is beyond that. Yeah, sometimes people maybe, especially around the teal movement, we are more optimistic than what the real life is. But I, I think that that's the truth still, that the green is something that we consider modern management. When we talk about servant leadership, for example, that's like the cutting edge management style. But still, if the manager is is a, a parent, then suddenly there starts to be children in the organization as well. So there's a big shift when we start thinking that people actually don't need this kind of motivation from somebody. People are motivated when they care about the purpose, especially. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I've, uh, I think we've touched on a couple of times in the podcast is the kind of the misconception of someone else being able to motivate someone else. I mean, you can't really motivate anyone. Like motivation is something that happens within you, and then you can bring it out. But but let's talk a little more about like the the changes that that teal will kind of have on our worldview. So we we talked about the breakthroughs, but. Can you still explain some of the kind of the things that we need to think about differently for us to be able to have TEAL organizations? Well, TEAL is also called the integral stage, meaning that we understand that there are all these breakthroughs in the previous stages are very important and we can we can benefit from them. But also we understand that not everybody will have the same worldview or, or has the same that we do. Uh, individuals and organizations, they all act on, on their own levels, which actually changes all the day and in different, different contexts. So we start to be very accepting towards things that are happening around. We don't need to do, for example, change management, because change is there constantly and we just let it evolve. It emerges as, as we go. And then this kind of curiosity and the, the mindset of just exploring what's like Otto Scharmer is talking about uh, leading from the emerging future. That it's it's there that we we just walk beside it and and then enjoy enjoy the ride. Yeah, <laughs> and and we already mentioned that most organizations are either at amber or orange. And if we talk about listening to the emerging purpose or listening to the emerging worldview and what's happening in the world and just kind of adapting to it and just observing and accepting it. I think that sounds like a very big shift for for a lot of organizations. So what do you think are things that we could fairly easily pick up from the teal worldview that would start easing us into it? It's like stop planning and and connect to the what's what's around you. What are, what's in the business in the in the company and the people around you and what's needed right now. I'm not trying to see your path towards being a teal organization in in five years don't do the five-year plan but instead concentrate on the on the now and and what you see ahead of you what is relevant and then then it's about sort of uh, the sense making of understanding might this way of behavior this kind of practice is it something that's taking our organization towards something that we want to be or is it not so it's very much being collectively present in the present moment but also about dialogue that building the safe space so that people can have this kind of discussion. And w- when you're looking at the world from the orange lens, then we have the real work to do. We don't have time for discussion. And that that's like the paradox of efficiency that or effectiveness that we think that we need to perform 100% all the time. But when we try to be very effective and efficient, actually we're not. 
it's like because then then we cannot see what's what's going on we don't see the the hidden the small weak signals and everything and and cannot connect so well together with all the people and around us and and the whole ecosystem Uh, many of the problems that people see in their daily work uh, are actually rooted pretty deep. Uh, just to take an example, the ownership of a company and whether the company is public or private has a huge impact on the company in all aspects of it, its operations. So how do you think those fundamental structures should change? And whether, like, do you think that it's even possible to have like a teal worldview within those structures? Of course it's possible but I think it's very unlikely to be able to perform in the long run in, in a teal way if the the power hierarchy doesn't operate from that worldview. So in that sense the owners are important and our society hasn't evolved many of the individuals are not operating not from teal not from green yet and that's why not it, it's not the dominant paradigm which uh, which is so acceptable way of operating. A lot of these structures are actual structures that like that's how companies work and that's like for example in the Finnish law we have the law states that companies should aim for profit and create generate profits for their owners. Actually I think until those structures are not so relevant we are well okay with the with the law and structures that we have but they are not uh guiding us. For example many of the cases in the Frederick Lalu's book Uh, there were several for-profits that were owned by one person only. But if that person then has a teal worldview, then he or she is not using it as a dominance hierarchy. The organizational model and the structure, whether they don't need to be cooperatives, they can be, I'm not sure if they can be stock exchange companies, because then you have a lot of owners who actually are in it only for the money. And when the shit hits the fan, they might not, lose the trust in this kind of emerging listening organization but then we start putting in the controls and we need somebody now to tell what to do and that's like do they have to trust in this kind of organizational paradigm in the hard times as well exactly so does that mean that if you want to keep the teal way of doing things you kind of have to keep the company private or, or does that mean that we just need to somehow change how public companies work Yeah, or the culture, how we how we see leadership and the management. If if we have strong leaders, they might have the sort of trust of the owners that that we believe that this person can do what is needed. But it it needs very strong indi- individuals who are then I guess who who can build build up the trust capital needed among shareholders. Okay, so let's talk a little about the kind of examples of teal organizations. And there are companies that are at least somewhat teal. So if we look at companies like that, what are the structures that are characteristic of teal organizations? So, for example, how do teal organizations, uh, some of the examples of teal organizations, how do they make decisions, for example? Very often they have this structure called the advice process meaning uh, how they do decisions is that uh, they a- ask advice from those who will be affected by the decisions and those who are experts on the matter. And then uh, following that process, basically any anyone can do the decision. Then we can get all the 
pretty much uh, well the knowledge and uh, and competence there is in the company. And actually, this is quite uh, interesting model thinking. What's the responsibility of those that person making the decision and responsibility of those giving advice? And I would say the the responsibility of those giving advice might be even bigger that they need to. Delivering in, in a format that the one making the decision can can understand in in his or her worldview and and context and what kind of meta level ad, advice is also needed. So if everybody's into that kind of process, understanding that this is how things go back and forth, everybody's already aligned and sort of what is it committed to the decision when when it's being done and and it's it's not big it's not an issue of of power or any kind of hierarchy or positional power or who can make what decision but they they the, the organization is the one that makes the decision and it's just more or less channeled by this one person using the process so it's kind of easy to say that that like okay so if we make a decision we need to have the best people or the best experts and we need to have the people who are influ- influenced by it but if we take that one meta level up how do we decide who are the right people uh, to participate in the advi- advice process we cannot know we we cannot decide who they are exactly so so how do we actually like practically how do we do it the intuition is is very good that and and the dialogue That when we start discussing who should be here, and then okay, we start thinking about together who should we involve here, and, and so th- there isn't a, a guidance or process or structure in in setting beforehand who should be involved. But all the time, it's case by case. It depends, and most likely people when when they are trusted, they they know who to ask, and when asking asking advice, they they give some other pointers, and and usually just they just work. <laughs> It just works. <laughs> uh, How about other like we we discussed decision making? How about other characteristics or, or practices that are common among among teal organizations? Well, often they are organized around around teams, self organized organizing teams, who don't have any any sort of power used on, upon them from the outside. Sometimes they have more systematic role-based organizations using holacracy or sociocracy sometimes they are more more laid back or all the employees they can choose their roles that what what really is the thing that they 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 form their own job description daily if needed it's not there are not not big machine and processes for doing that but it's it's very dynamic that what is needed and and that's why there is no change management because People do the change management implicitly every day. One more thing that's that's typical is is then the resolution of conflicts and tensions, and they have mechanisms for these. How they are done in a peer based way, and and how they can get outside facilitation if if needed for these conflicts, and and they have strong uh, practices, structures, but also culture in in how to solve these. And and it's it's like we need to build these muscles of solving the conflicts. It's not something that we are used to in doing this way. Usually, we can just push it up the hierarchy, and the supervisor will do it. But now, in a self-organized self-management, there is nobody, nobody but yourself, who has the power and the responsibility. If one was to start a company from scratch, uh, what would be the teal way of doing that? So, how do we kind of how do we evolve a purpose out of nothingness? I would 
not do any of that. I would serve the customers and do something that generates value for them and maybe get some money out of it. Sort of <laughs> concentrate on the business, not on being teal. Okay, that's that's really good because I, I think evolving a purpose means that we need to kind of achieve at least some level of consensus around it. And necessarily, we don't need consensus, but we kind of need to agree on some aspects of it. And then that can be very, very painful and very slow. And even if we have a purpose that's crystal clear, executing on it can be very difficult. And and I, I would think that like if you start with that, you probably won't even get past the first couple of years of your company. Yeah, I think there's the sort of agility part in the being evolutionary purpose, that it evolves as we go forward, what we are good at, what customers want, what the kind of markets there are, and then somehow the company is going to some directions. And and we need to be okay with, I guess, the founders, that it's not so static structure as, as traditionally startups, for example, that you have this set of founders and then we make all the shareholders... Uh, agreements and and the vesting of the shares and everything so that this is the group that will take us to the glorious future but instead that the organization goes and we are there to serve serve it and if my part is not in serving this organization then i'm okay with that our journeys go a different way and as we go then then we do the sense making or the co-sensing and understanding what what is the best thing that this this company can do the, to the world and if they do something good then most likely they they can also make money money with it again you cannot control you cannot dictate what the purpose is you can only try to uncover it as you go and interact with the outside world so which do you think comes first is it is it kind of the people or the purpose so so what i mean is that should you recruit people who kind of share your purpose or should you just recruit people and then evolve the purpose? I guess you can do either of those. There isn't 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 a formula for that, unfortunately, in until there are very few if if, if <laughs> any formulas. You just need to see what what suits your company. For some company it might be more more community and people driven that we have a very strong camaraderie among these people and then then things evolve more more of, uh, aligned with the with those personal aspirations and and some companies they tack into something that's very sort of needed in the society there is a mar- clear market need and then we start getting new people because because this company is is solving the energy problem in in the third world and then we start getting people who are interested in in joining the journey in, in solving that one Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that and also learned something from it. One of the organizations presented as an example of a teal organization is Bootsong, an elderly care company in the Netherlands. And I visited them uh, in person some years back and I interviewed the CEO for the podcast. So you might want to check out that episode. You can find a link to it in the show notes. Now that is all for today. We have one more episode left in this season of Boss Level Podcast. Have a great week.